We have a past. Some we all have a past with some memories we would like to forget. Our past can be used in one of two ways. I mean, we can stay stuck in it or we can overcome it. The choice is always ours to make. And Father God wants to flip the things from our past and use them for his good. He wants to use the stuff that we think is going to hold us back. And he actually wants to bring people out of their places because we've overcome so we can help them to overcome. Well, there is nothing more true about my guest. My guest is Lori Hilgers, and she has overcome some really incredible obstacles. However, God has used those obstacles to soften a heart, to give her new eyes, to give her a compassion and a love that is relentless. So I am super excited to bring Lori Hilgers on to Touch by Prayer. Thank you so much, Lori, for coming on. This is so, I've been waiting for you to come on for such a long time. Thank you, Lisa. I am so happy and excited to be here with you and with everyone who's listening. Thank you so much. Well, you know, it was funny because we've been trying to work this out for quite some time, and we just didn't feel the timing was right. But when I started to talk to you about that there is something special coming on Touch by Prayer, that, and, and it's really, it's kind of ironic if you think about it, but I, I believe that you're very close to being the 100th guest on Touch by Prayer. Now, because I've, I've had over 100 shows, and we kind of, like, kind of, you know, went around it, and it was great, but we really didn't celebrate it. But, you know, when I told you that we were going to be coming close to my 100th guest, and I felt that for the month of March, it was supposed to be powerful women, and it just kind of works out, especially with the, the upcoming Daddy's Girl Conference this week. So you are like the, the coup de grace. so far of touch by prayer how about that thank you you know thank you and I I appreciate that and I think that you know God God always has this amazing plan that he just when he's about to start something new he brings in something new and I think that what he's been doing and how he's been kind of ministering to you is something new would you agree Absolutely, I would agree. So um, why don't you talk about like some of the things that you feel the Father has been doing that has given you this new outlook on life? Ooh, wow. Let, let's back up a little bit. And I think this what I'm going to introduce here is probably true for an awful lot of people. And many of you have probably heard it before, that the enemy knows Father's plans for our lives well in advance before we do. And I'm pretty certain that was the case in my life. Um, I was born two months premature, so that was a near miss. And um, I was thinking a lot about this last night, how he wanted me to present it. And the first five years of my life, I don't really have any memory of. I'm fairly certain there was some abuse that took place during that time, but you know, nothing definitive that I can pinpoint. And then fast forward a few years, and then we had incidences of date rape and sexual abuse on a level that, well, you can just use your imagination. There were some car accidents thrown in there that almost took my life a couple times. There there were just things all the time. It seemed like I was constantly under attack. And as a result of those things, I had no self-worth, no self-value, um, and I wasn't walking real close with the Lord at that point. So I, I didn't feel like I had a lot to offer 
anyone else, let alone myself. I, I didn't see good when I looked in the mirror. So much had happened. And in my first marriage, um, I think I was, what, 30-something years old at the time, my husband then and I were having a round, I'll call it a round, <laughs> which usually got very vocal and very emotional. And, you know, some dark things would happen. And I remember running upstairs to the bedroom because there was no place else to go. And the Lord met me right up there that day in a way I had not confronted before. And I stopped in my hysterics for a minute with, you know, tears running down my face and all that mess. And I said, what? What do you really even want with me? If you think you can do something with this mess, then fine. And I really just caved that day. And then I went and crawled in my closet and cried for a couple hours. And when I came out, I was different. Okay. I have to just stop you for one second because I had my encounter in my closet too. So <laughs> I, It's I, a good place it, to go. I, you know, I always joke about how I'm so much like Cinderella because I'm always in my shoes. So it's nice to hear somebody else had their, awesome. had their God moment in, in their closet around their shoes. Oh. Okay. So now we can circle around a little bit. So all of that abuse um, made me not very favorable towards men, right? Fearful, um, resentful, bitter, angry, blah, 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 blah. And I had to get past all of those things um, to start to really pursue the call in my life. Um, and that's unraveling a little bit. So I, I don't want to go too far down that path because I don't know that I have enough pieces of it to be articulate. But that can unfold over time. But this was certainly a demonstration of the enemy coming against me in a way in my youth and in my 20s that would have stopped me from pursuing what he showed me. And... and uh, in, in general, I can tell you that um, we are going to be developing um, a ministry for men so that they receive, how did Father put it to me, the mother heart of the Father, because there are so many men broken that need that mother love to heal them. Okay, so you're so talking about the shack. Like, seriously. Like, everybody has this big, like, to-do mm -hmm. about, like, how God was perceived as a woman. But there are so many times that, that the men can't deal with another man because the, the image that they have is of their earthly father who is abusive to them. Exactly. So how could they go to seeing Father God as a man? Because Father God doesn't say he's man nor woman. He's, he's everything. Right? He comprises everything, exactly. He's, he's fully male and fully female. Right, and it says, he says, let us make men in our image. Both men and women, let us make them in our image. So, and he was talking to Jesus because the word was in the beginning. So, That's you know, really and, he, and he's talking to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was always there. <laughs> so it's like, so he's talking to the Trinity and he says, let's make them in our image. Mm, let's I make, love that. Let's make them body, soul, and spirit. But let's also, let's put it so that, so when man and woman come together as one, they become like us. Oh, how, oh, seriously, that was, that was so good. 
I know, it's beautiful. That is so good because I really believe in that intimacy between a husband and a wife. I believe that it is the closest, it's the closest to feeling that, that, um, that God connection. I really do. I think that there is something that happens because it's very euphoric and it, it's very intimate and it, there's, there's all these feelings and all these emotions and these sensations that are going through when they connect, not to get graphic, but there is something that is like if you've ever been in the presence of the Father, there is that peace that washes over you. Absolutely. And I think that that kind of happens when you connect with your husband or your wife in that capacity. I think mm-hmm. that there is that washing over. So I love the fact that God, well, I think in this this particular season, I think he's going after the girls. He's going after the women to show them that they're daughters. But I, I believe that he's the next, like what you're talking about is going after the sons. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and, and there are people equipped just for that. Yeah, I agree. Because if, if you have been in abusive relationships with a man, it's very hard for you to look at men with loving eyes, unless God changes your eyesight. And he did. Um, I didn't used to live on the West Coast either. I used to live in the Midwest, Lisa. And after I took a layoff from the corporation that I worked for for 10 years, um, I had a couple years of time to spend alone with the Lord, and that's what he wanted. And I remember a conversation across the kitchen table um, over the span of a few weeks. I was doing a, a study called Search for Significance. Maybe you've heard of it. No, and I don't think I have. But can, can you explain what it is? Um, it really helps you sort out your identity in Jesus Christ with Scripture to back it all up. So it helps reinforce you as a new creation that you are. So I was studying this guide and talking to the Lord about, I think we were reading about um, him doing, or, or us doing, excuse me, the works that he did and the greater works. And I looked at him across the table and I said, so, okay, we're going to do greater works than you did. That's all good. But if I'm going to do the stuff that you did in greater works, then I want the same revelation of your love that John had, or more, if there's more. Because they tried to boil him in oil, and he wouldn't die. He was so convinced of your love. Uh, see, okay, now you've hit on something else. That's Out of all the apostles, I mean, I love Peter because of his faith, and I love Paul for his boldness, but it's really the love of John. That's why he didn't die. I agree with exactly. you. That's the, and the Lord said to me, he says, I want you to be like all my disciples. He said, I want you to have the faith of Peter and the boldness of Paul and the, and the love of John. But he also said, I'd like you to have the discernment of Thomas. Mm, yeah. That's rich. Right? That's really rich. So if we, yes. can, if we can take those examples and if we can combine them all into one person— Guess who we pretty much have? <laughs> yeah, we pretty much yep. have. We pretty much have Jesus. We have Jesus. Yeah, we do. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, so so here God is is telling you who you are. You're reading a book about your identity. <laughs> yes. I, and here I I know I can feel it coming. So <laughs> I I can I just feel it in my spirit. I'm like okay, what what did he do? 
Well, you know, I thought my life was going to be all comfy and cozy and I'd find another good corporate job back there, and that just so didn't happen. I lost another house. I had some friends betray me and um, ran for mayor of a particular suburb, and I think I got about 52 votes, but that was a great learning experience. Anyway, the fire just got hot, Lisa, and everything was falling apart around me, but it really wasn't, okay? Things were being, um, I don't want I don't like to use the word stripped, but stripped. my, my prayer, my <laughs> prayer was being answered. Uh-huh. Okay. So everything is going from bad to worse, and then I I get this urge, and, and it did not hurt that the shack was based in Oregon either. It did hurt a bit. But at one point, I found myself on an Amtrak train with a one-way ticket west for an extended visit to the great state of Oregon. And it was after I got here that... Um, things really started to change. And I entered into a season of um, pretty extreme testing. Um, And everything that I thought that I knew and all my religion and all my excuses got just pulled away from me until I learned how to love. Mm. You know, I always think about testing, and I always think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I always think about it, that they weren't afraid to go into the fiery flame. They really weren't. They just were like, all right, we're going, because we're not going to do what what you're telling me to do. I'm not going to bend to religiosity. I'm not going to worship something that I don't believe in. But the thing that I love is that when King Nebuchadnezzar looked inside of the furnace, he said, I see not three, but four people in mm-hmm. that furnace so it's like it's in those trials it's in those times of um the the burning away so to speak that jesus really comes forth and i love one of the things that you said lord was that he was stripping you away of stuff and i just think about a fire that consumes everything around it but yet you come out smelling like a rose mm-hmm. exactly um you'll probably know where this is i can't think of it right off the top of my head it's isaiah um, when you pass through the waters, you won't mm-hmm. drown. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that. Isn't, isn't that like 10,000 may fall to the left and 5,000 may fall to my right, but I will stand. No, that's in Psalms. That's Psalm 91. Yeah, that's Psalms 91. Okay, Isaiah, what is it now? Um, when you pass through the waters. I'll find they it. W- they won't overcome you. When you go through the fire, you won't smell like smoke. That's yes. my paraphrase, mind you. Sorry. Yes, no, but but that's but that's basically... You know, that's really what he says. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to go with us. And he did. Every time something happened, um, he always reminded me how he went before me. So I was never alone. Mm-hmm. And that was very important for some of the things that I had to walk through. Because I wasn't sure how I was going to survive. Mm. And so, so you take this one-way ticket to Portland. You're like, oh, here it is. It's Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. So that, and that's such a comfort because, you know, Isaiah was prophesying 
like what Jesus was going to do for us, what God will do for us, mm-hmm. that he's going to walk us through these these difficulties. And although it seems as though something's going to happen, it's not going to happen. I always think about the Moses thing. They, they crossed that Red Sea. The Egyptians didn't, but they did. Not one Israelite was killed in that water. No one perished. That's right. That's right. So, okay. So here you are. You're in, in Portland, Oregon, and God is like removing and renewing. <laughs> he's he's changing everything. So what happened? He did. And I remember um, it was probably my third night in Portland, and I stayed at a hostel um, over on the northwest side of town. And that afternoon, he... Um, and actually, I knew someone here. Let me backtrack for a minute. And I was trying to find that person because I'd known them for several years, and they meant a lot to me. So I walked down to the homeless mission on Burnside on the off chance that I would find this individual standing in line waiting to get a bed that night. And so I got down there, you know, about mid-afternoon and walked by, and there were a few people in line. And I walked across to the bridge, and I had my iPod on, and when I walk, I sing. I don't care who hears me. So I stood over the bridge for a while, and I worshiped and did my thing, and it started to get to get dark, and I began my way back. And now there's lots of people in line waiting for a bed. And Father said, I want you to walk by each person very slowly, And I want you to look into their eyes, into their face, because not one of them ever thought they would find themselves here. Every one of them had a family. They had hopes and dreams. So I did that, and I was completely wrecked by the time I walked past all those people. And and that was a really good beginning to having the blinders taken off my eyes to see each person as having value because religion doesn't teach you that. Religion gives you pride and tells you that you're better than other people. And at the foot of the cross, we're all the same. Amen. Amen to that. And that's an important thing to remember because I, even now, I've got some people that are coming against me pretty hard in some things. And in asking the Lord how to pray for them, because, you know, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, <laughs> persecute you. Mm-hmm. And he gave me a vision of me and one of these people at the foot of the cross together, both kneeling at the same place. And it really levels the playing field. And it's at that place that you can feel the love in your heart and you can pray in love because their sins are covered just as much as yours are. You know, no different. it's the, the thing about homeless people, because the Lord talked to me about homeless people. First of all, when you touch a homeless person because they don't bathe, you know, all the time, you, you get that smell on your hands. And the Lord said to me, he, I, because I tried to wash my hands and he said, you can't take off the smell of homelessness. Because when, when he puts something in your heart, you can't wash it off. 
you wow. you can't walk away from it. It sticks with you. It just sticks with you. And I, I think that as we start to, when, when, when Father starts to give us those eyes to see brokenness, it, it doesn't matter what package they come in. We just see the brokenness. We don't see the people. And I, I think that this, this journey that God is taking people on to correct their vision of how he sees people, how he sees the hurt and the broken. Because if it's not wrecking the church, if it's not destroying how they feel on the inside, if they can get up every single day and just go about their business and walk past a homeless person, but yet go to church and sing glory, hallelujah, there's something, there's something amiss. There's something wrong. Because we need to, to see what hurts the father and what hurts the father should hurt the church. And I think what you just said about that religiousness keeps makes you prideful. So there you can't be humble. You can't be understanding because you'll say, well, that's what they chose. Right, right. So, you know, I think it's, um, it's so and most imp- people, go ahead. Uh, excuse me. Most people don't choose that life as an no. act of their will. There are circumstances. That's right. That, um, that help get them in that place. Because I think sometimes if you talk to if you if you talk to somebody who's homeless and ask them how they got there, they they probably say, I honestly I don't know. Like what was the turning point that brought you here? They probably couldn't tell you. No, not not definitively they no, couldn't. But but it's a series of events because Exactly. And and what happens is based on your past and the things that you've been taught, you make those decisions based on what you know and it, and it's also based on who you think you are mm-hmm. not who you really are and so if you have brokenness in your past you're always seeing yourself as less than and a failure so yes, you know and, and without hope for anything better absolutely I'm I, I just spoke to this young woman who was so angry at her mother and I was talking to her about forgiving her mother and she said she couldn't do it and I said did she abuse you and she said no I, I said, did she leave you? And she said, no. I said, okay, well, what is it that you are upset about? She says that she could have done more. She could have done more. And I looked at her and I said, when you think you're nothing, you can't do something. And she just broke. Because for the first time, after carrying all that anger, all that frustration, all that hurt, she saw that her mother saw herself as nothing and it crushed her. And I think that's, that's one of the things that I think we, we, we have to come back to that place that, you know, going to sit with the lepers, going to, you know, sit with the tax collectors, (laughs) go, go, go and defend the prostitutes. That's, that's where I believe that daddy's taken us. I believe that he's just, he's about to wreck the church. So, okay, so here you are, you're walking past, I'm sorry, I segued, but. <laughs> no, it's fine, it's good. Um, So you're walking past these homeless people and, and with each look, each glance, your heart is just breaking more and more and more. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. did, so what did you do after you, you encountered each person? I cried. I really did. Um. Because some people were not there. They were vacant. Mm. 
Um, others were hopelessly addicted to whatever. You, you, you see it all. And Portland has a really high concentration of homelessness because of the climate. Uh, so we see a lot of it here. Um, anyway, so sorry, I got on a rabbit trail too. <laughs> Does rabbit it, trail it set me up. up. <laughs> uh-huh. That experience set me up for what I would encounter and live through the next few years. Um, now how do I segue into this gracefully? I don't know, Lisa. Um, <laughs> and I can't name names. Well, just say he, she. How about that? He, she, he, she. Yeah. So if it's a he, say he. You know, let's segue into book title. Let's okay. go there because that all has to do with it anyway. Yes, it does. All right. So um, in six weeks or so, roughly thereabouts, I will be releasing the Jane Doe Chronicles, book one, See Jane Doe Run. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thank I absolutely you. love it. It is filled with redemptive stories of... Jane Doe's life the last few years here, what she learned, what father taught her, how her blinders came off, and uh, just a whole lot of stuff. Um, And his intent with this book is to do what you suggested earlier, Lisa, and that is to wreck the church with his heart. That's what it's for. And it needs it. It absolutely needs it. We've become very, our hearts have become hardened. Well, remember when Bob Jones died? Yes. Um, or, or actually, he died twice, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And he, then he came back and then he died in, uh, right. on February 14th, I think, two years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the three years. The first time he died, what did the Lord ask him if he learned how to love? Yep. And I think the answer was no because he got sent back. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Yes. That was kind of a wake-up call for all of us then. Yes, yes. Because everything, if it's not done in love, it's not going to last. That's good. And that's really been impressed on me. You know, how many prayers have I prayed for people that were done out of my own want and selfishness and discomfort and not done in love? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, do those prayers not done in love, do they have an effect? Maybe not so much. Right. I don't, I don't know. Well, I, you know, I, I think that people who are loving with their own hearts, with their own intention, with their um, own, like, um, justifications, it's, it's very conditional. But when you love with God's heart, it's con- completely unconditional. So I think that the church is loving, but it's loving conditionally. How about that? Is that fair? I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they don't love, because believe me, I've met and I love the church. I love I, 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 I love the church. And there have been people I have encountered who um, I, I have um, uh, one of my uh, pastors. This this man loves people. He just loves people. And it's just so beautiful to see his heart of compassion 
towards people. But yet you can see somebody who's completely gifted, completely just um, so um, so anointed for teaching, and they're called pastor, but they don't love. And I believe mm -hmm. that being a pastor, you have to have a pastor's heart. You have to have Jesus's heart to be a pastor. And I think that as a teacher, that's not necessarily the case because you're teaching. And so I think with the church, we just have a lot of teachers who just have been called pastor. And I've said this before because I really feel, so it's not necessarily the, the person's fault. They've just been given a title that they weren't given by God, if that makes sense. Yes, it does make sense. You know, and it's not to, to cause pointing of fingers and because like I said, you know, the, the beautiful part about God is that God will accept whatever offering that we can give to him, especially people who really, really love God, but they just, they haven't broken free of some of the stuff that has held them back. He doesn't stop loving them. He doesn't stop cheering for them but he wants to take them deeper, but everything is about a choice. And I think that when we come to that, um, this, um, the verse where Jesus says, he hears, my Lord, my Lord, haven't I healed people in your name? Haven't I cast out demons in your name? Haven't, um, haven't I healed the sick all in your name? And Jesus looks at them and says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. And that verse, Lori, used to scare me. Because what I at first thought, I thought that, oh my gosh, you ha ha we, even if we do all the things that the Holy Spirit says that we can do and Jesus says that we can do, like he could still turn his back on us. And that's not what that verse means. What that verse means is that it's about intimacy. It's about having his heart. It's about just like what Jesus says, I only do what I see my father in heaven do. See, that's where the church needs to get back into that place where I'm going to do what I see my father in heaven doing, and I'm going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and I'm going to love a broken world regardless of what it looks like on the outside. If the person is gay, I'm going to love them. If the person is Muslim, I'm going to love them. It doesn't matter what the box looks like, but I'm going to love the person in the box. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, so continue on with your story. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's see. Where should we take it from here? Well, now we're working on, on okay, so the Jane, first of all, and, and you've heard this before, and, and Father has said this to you as well, but Jane Doe uh, Chronicles is going to become a movie. I absolutely see that. And I, and it was funny as you started to talk and I'm starting to listen to you all of a sudden, the Lord just said to me, he said, this is going to be the Christian JK Rawlings. <laughs> does that make sense to you, Lori? Yeah, it does. Okay. Okay. Cause it that's does. what I heard. I heard the Lord say, this is, the, this is going to be my JK Rawlings. I can work with that. I will do that. Yeah. Because, Thank you, Lord. Well, because just like, you know, she was in this place and, and she used something to ignite. She, she used it to ignite, um, supernatural. We'll, we'll, we'll just call it that way. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to call people out or say anything bad, but she used it to ignite supernatural desires that were within us. That's mm -hmm. what she did. But I believe that your book is going to ignite passion of people which is what we so desperately need 
Yeah, we do. And as you're talking, I'm seeing two of the homeless men that I met. Um, One was named Bob, and I've posted his picture on my Facebook wall a couple of times. And I think there is a blog post about him that exists someplace. I might have to resurrect that. But Bob would sit outside Fred Meyer on Interstate and what was the other cross street and Lombard. Um, I think he was out there for six or eight months, rain or shine. And uh, he didn't have a wheelchair. He had a little walker with wheels on it. That's what it was. Somebody bought that for him. Sweet old guy. Articulate, intelligent, um, I started talking with him, buying him food, visiting with him, got some photos of him. He was very photogenic. Um, And just spent time talking to the Lord or talking with him about the Lord when, when, you know, I was led to do that. Um, But he, he was somebody I looked for every time I went to the store. And then there was another older fellow who was not quite as genteel as Bob was. And I don't know his name, but he was very well known by the police and paramedics. Um, And he did live in a wheelchair, slept on the sidewalk most nights, and um, made his way up and down the streets between several different grocery stores. And I remember one Saturday morning, the Lord said, I want you to go up to New Seasons for breakfast. I'm like, okay, cool. That's my favorite store. I got no problem with that. And this particular man was sitting at the corner. And he was pretty alert that morning. And I walked over to him. I got down on my knee and I I said, hey, how you doing? He goes, good. How are you? (laughs) He was fun when he was sober. (laughs) And uh, I said, are you hungry? He nodded his head a little bit. I said, I'll go in and get you some breakfast. I'll be out in a couple minutes. And uh, so I went and got him a mess of food and some good juice and stuff like that and brought it back out to him and put the bag inside his wheelchair. And I got down on my knees again, and uh, I, I prayed with him for a minute. And I said, you know, Father loves you. He gets these big alligator tears running down his face. And he points up in the air. He said, I know he hasn't forgotten me. (laughs) I said, no, he hasn't. He never will. And so I'd see him around periodically and buy him dinner or whatever when I saw him and Tried to maintain a little relationship with him, and there were others. Um, and I, I have an affinity for men who need a mama's love. That's what I'm drawn to. And so the stories are. Um, how do I say this? Holy Spirit, help me. The stories are, here, I'm going to read a part of the introduction in the book because this says it really well. 
When Father asks you to walk through hell with someone, you're walking through with them. You're not staying there. Neither are they. The ending is nothing short of magnificent. And then he gave me this verse from, uh, it's Luke 9:24 from The Voice. If you try to avoid danger and risk, then you'll lose everything. If you let go of your life and risk all for my sake, then your life will be rescued, healed, made whole, and full. And I can tell you unequivocally that my having spent this time in this place doing these things in danger and risk has made me whole. In a way, nothing else ever would have. So you're completely wrecked. You're completely <laughs> Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> you are just completely wrecked. And he and he does that. And I believe that when he does that, I believe that he just when I get really happy about something, and you'll probably like when I do a video, I clap my hands and I the biggest smile appears on my face because I'm just so full of joy and I just clap my hands and I'm just so happy. That's what I see the father doing when somebody mm-hmm. decides, okay, this is not about me anymore. This is all for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Be- um, I learned the fine art of going to food shelves mm. when there was no money. Mm-hmm. That was a new thing. Mm. We'll talk about having some pride stripped away. I was going to say Hello. humbleness. You know, that, that's very funny. That's very funny. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, Lori, there are so many things that we, we have in common um, because there were times that um, – you know, things were, were super, super tight. And I believe that God was going to do something. And he did, but it didn't come in the package that I thought it was. And when it came, I was like, I had no control in how it came. And it was like, but you, you got what I told you, didn't you? I was like, yes, but I would have gotten this or I would have done this. Or I, and he said, no, no, no. This is, you be grateful for, for what I sent you. This was not about me. This was about him. And he's true to his word, but there are some times that he says, okay, this is what I'm going to send you. So it's it, it's sort of like, um, you know, you, you've seen it in movies where the, the, the woman comes and she sits down and the husband or the, the boyfriend or husband, whatever, turns to the waiter and says, she will have this. And, and she looks at him like, seriously, I'm not getting to choose. <laughs> You know, and if she doesn't eat that, she doesn't eat or she looks really ungrateful. But, you know, that sometimes I think that when when father orders, he orders us a meal. We'll put it that way. When he orders us a meal, we have two choices. We can not eat it or we can eat it with a big smile on our face. That's very true. Um, Yeah, definitely. Okay, so so you had to learn. Well, he kind of brought you into this place of, well, this is what it's like. This is how they got there, and this is what it's like. This is their life. This is their everyday existence. Yes, and then it moved into an even more um, desperate situation where you bring in more drugs, more alcohol. You bring in more risk and danger. And um, sometimes I thought I was living in a movie. Seriously. Was I going to get out alive? 
And I remember one morning waking up after a very dramatic night before, laying in bed, just questioning everything. Had I missed God? Had I done this? Had I done that? There was some condemnation because I really thought I have so screwed up my life. (laughs) I didn't see the big picture quite then. You know, I, you have to get out of it a little bit before you go, oh, that's what that was. So I wasn't there yet. I just knew that I was in this and that it had purpose, but I didn't know a lot more. And so I laid in bed for a while that morning and eventually swung my feet out to the side and sat there and looked out the window. And I was feeling pretty hopeless and pretty pathetic. And the Lord came and stood next to me on my left side, and he put his hand on my left shoulder, and he really softly said to me, no harm will come to you. And I looked over at him. At first, you kind of go, really? Okay. But I thought, okay, all right. If you're saying this, then no harm will come to me. I need to believe that. And that gave me grace and strength to carry on day by day and and sometimes minute by minute. There are a lot of times I had to go into the bathroom and shut the door and lift my arms in the air for just five minutes to go back out and deal with whatever else was going on. There's a lot of grace over this. And there was something that I did want to... He said this to me not that long ago when I... When I was still doing some writing on the book, and he wanted people to see, he said, this is what I want people to get. My grace is deeper and wider than you have been taught, than you've even been willing to consider. I want people to see this level of grace through your lives together. I want my people to know how much I love them, no matter the paths they've taken. Yes. I, I, yes. That's all I can pretty much say is yes. (laughs) Because I just know how big his heart is. And uh, not, not to go back into the shack, but, but there, there was something so beautiful that was said by um, Papa. And when Papa said, that one, I'm, I'm fond of that one. I'm fond of that one. And Mac asks Papa, is there anybody that you're not fond of? And he looked at her or she looked at him and said, nope. <laughs> because that grace, that love is just that big. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. And there are people out there waiting and longing yes. for someone to, to come them. alongside them. Yep. To link arms, yep, and to walk together with them through the hell that they're in. Yep, yep. Well, I mean, well, even look at the passage where Jesus says, you know, when you, you know, when you visited me in the hospital, when you visited me in prison, when you visited me, when you, when you, everything was when. Oh, and the, and the disciples yeah. were like, you know, Lord, when when did this happen? He says, when you do it for others, you do it to me. And we forget that. 
Yes, we do. We forget that. And look, not everybody's called to prison ministry. I'm not saying that. Not everybody's called to the homeless, but you know your calling. God put a passion inside of you for something, and it can change. For a season, it, it could be about women. For a season, it could be about mm-hmm. men. For a season, That's true. it could be about the, the homeless. For, for a season, it could be about missionary work. It, it's just about yielding to what the Father wants to use you for, for however long he wants to use you. In that season, that's true. That's very true. And that's good because we need to be flexible and fluid. Well, because if we, be, if we stick in one niche, I really believe that we start, to, we start to think that we're doing it. So I think that's why God kind of shakes things up. That's personal. That's my own personal belief. I, I, <laughs> that's not like I like that, though, because, yeah. it, you know, and Paul said we're supposed to be all things to all people. That's right. That means we need to be flexible and fluid. That's right. And, you know, there, it's, it's interesting because I, I have spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. And there, there are times that, that I feel so much more connected to my spiritual sons than I do my spiritual daughters. But then there are other times I feel so connected to my daughters and not my sons. But it doesn't mean that I don't love them equally. And the That's love true. that I have for these kids, well, they're not kids. They're, most of the, the spiritual children that God gives me, they're in their 20s to 30s. Which is so funny because I have my two kids which who are 16 and 18. And the Lord said to me, he says that you will love them just as if they were your own. And he actually gave me a vision of my spiritual children bringing their children to my house saying, we're going to go see grandma. And it was just like that. that they are a part of me. They're a part of my family. So I understand that well. I have, I have many the same. Right. And, and, and you get... Like the love that you have for for these individuals that you did not give birth to, that you did not raise from from infancy, but that love is just as strong as if you did. It's beautiful. Mm. So okay, so so you've gone through because can you just kind of just take one step back, Lori, and just kind of talk about like the the Jane Doe Chronicles is really. It's really about taking persons who have no name, but giving them a story. Does that make sense? Wow. That frames it differently than what I had thought, but that, that's a piece of it. Um, because you always think about Jane Doe as in, it's just a name, but it's, it, it doesn't say who the person is. It just says, well, Jane Doe, it's just a woman. Well, what does Jane Doe represent? To me, it, it doesn't have an identity. It, it is somebody quietly going about doing what they do without recognition. No recognition. Or, no identity. Or, or fanfare. Yeah. yeah. It is fighting for someone else to be free. Mm. Um, and I, if it's okay with you, I, I want to read you a couple paragraphs. Oh, that I, I have would love here. that. I think everybody would um, love that. Because there's something here. Um, All right, so here we go. Our adventure began when we were yet miles apart because of one simple request. I asked Jesus to teach me to love like he does. I found myself on a train headed west to the country of Narnia. When we met, it appeared that you desperately needed me. I was wrong. I needed you. 
Through you, Holy Spirit showed me my idols, my brokenness, my pride, and my religion. The fight to stay with you was as difficult as the fight for you. There were no shortage of voices telling me I deserve better. The truth is, you didn't always get my best either. Loving you as an act of my will stripped away every excuse I used to justify why someone did deserve to be loved or cared for. I'm sorry for not covering you with love more often when you stumbled. Please forgive me. I'm learning how to practice this grace, asking Jesus to teach me how. I want to stop there, Lisa, because there's something to our learning how to cover with love. And I believe that that doesn't necessarily see an offense or a stumble when it happens. It quickly flips it around and pulls that person back up to their feet without calling them out on behavior. Mm -hmm. And the Lord really highlighted this to me um, as I've been doing some of this writing because I'm still being shown where I need to be strengthened and shorn up instead of calling someone on their stuff, we get to call them up. And Graham Cook is really good about teaching when Father shows you where something's broken in someone, he's showing you what's missing from their relationship with him. So he gives you the diagnosis of what's wrong, but then he also gives you the prognosis of what to speak into them. So they don't stay there. And I believe that that's part of love covering. So then you're basically talking about like when people, like for instance, when, when I'm ministering with somebody and the Lord starts to give me like um, they have abandonment issues, like just say that, or okay. or they have um, fear or or they have anger, whatever those things are that the Lord reveals to me, it's to get rid of that stuff, to change that that thought pattern, that whatever, that hurt, whatever, and to fill, like say with fear, when we cast out fear, we fill it with his perfect love because perfect love casts out all fear. If we get rid of uh, the spirit of abandonment, we tell abandonment to leave, we, we fill it with acceptance and adoption. Exactly. So we have, exactly we have to fill it with something. So, and I, and I think that as people, when, when people truly have a God encounter, not a church encounter, not a spiritual encounter, but a God encounter. Things change. They, they just do. They just change forever. They don't go back to the same. It's the whole walking through hell with someone. You're, you're going out with them. They're not staying there. Right, because you're going you're gonna to say, this does not belong to you. So let's just leave not that. Not who you are. That's right. So we're going to leave that here. Come on, let me go. Let's go get something else. <laughs> you know, and it and it doesn't. One of the things that um, through my actually through my sister and I, I've kind of talked about this, but when my sister, I prayed for her and we we got rid of some stuff off of her. What I saw, and I saw this with spiritual eyes, but I saw her face and I literally saw blackness coming off, almost like dirt was being lifted off. It was like in a movie. It was really like in a movie. I saw this dark matter being pulled off of her face. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I'll never forget that. 
because in his presence, it can't stay. It can't stay. No, it can't. So he's, he's talking to you about how his grace covers everything and anything that is not of him, let's get rid of it and let's replace it. Mm-hmm. So, so you have, you now have your mission statement. right you know your mission statement is that i'm going to seek out the dirt and i'm going to wash it clean we're going to get rid of this stuff and it's not coming back it's not coming back that's a good way to frame it yeah okay so 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 in this where where you were saying i wish i could have loved i wish i could have done this you know i think that that's sometimes all of our heart cries i think i think that there are times that God actually uses his children as a, 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 a Jane Doe. Because yeah. we're just unseen. We're always seen by the Father. But we're unseen by the church. We're kind of hidden. You know, my, my husband used to like to call them drive-bys. <laughs> when you go and minister to somebody, when you jump out of the car, and you go minister to somebody, and then you jump back in the car and you drive off. Who was mm-hmm. that masked person? You know, it's like, because you don't need... The recognition you don't need you know who was that i don't know but she but she was or he was sent by god that's all they need to know mm-hmm. okay Did he trained me that way there was a series of books i read over a couple of years that really um taught me some things about that to, to just function in hiddenness mm. But, you know, I, I do. I, I agree with that 100% because people don't always need to know. Like, there are certain things I don't share because they don't need to be shared because it was something that was so beautiful and tender. But I, I try to always share the stuff to encourage people to go out and do it themselves. That's the whole point of Touch by Prayer. Because every show, it's, it's remember to go out and touch someone. Be the hands. Be the feet. I'm nothing special. I just want to be used. That's all. If you want to be used, he'll use you. But if you don't want to be used, you won't be. It's a choice. And you had to lay everything down, Lori. You had to you had to walk away from your job. You had to walk into this new way of living. You had to start loving some of the most difficult people because of all of their hurt. Because when when you especially if you're homeless, you got you got some serious baggage. Mhm. And at the end of the day, though, um, I think I walked away with uh, a, a much greater gift. I really do. Um, because when you can start to see people through his eyes, and then you see that he chose you to go love them, that'll drop you right to your knees. Thank you, Lord, for the honor and the privilege Thank you for trusting me with this precious one. That's not a small thing. No. And I think that is such a beautiful statement. And I think if people actually saw ministry like that, I think there'd be a lot purer ministers. <laughs> that I, that you, you're entrusting me with your precious one. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. The memories I have and the experiences we shared are, they're they're written on my heart forever. 
But you take. I, le- all- I learned so much. Right, but you take all that stuff, Lori. You take all that stuff now, and you've seen how God can move and how God can change and transform. So now, when you encounter somebody, it's not like you look at them and go, "Oh boy." This is going to be a tough one. You look at them and go, woohoo, let's get to work. <laughs> um, sometimes, yes. You know, it's, and some days, Lisa, it's just giving somebody some recognition mm. because we all want to be seen. Mm. That's good. That's good. I remember coming out of a restaurant after breakfast a couple weeks ago, and there was another homeless man pushing a grocery cart across the parking lot. All his teeth were gone. He looked really rough. And I intentionally slowed my pace down to look over at him and engage with him and say hello. Just so he knew I saw him. Mm. And he mattered. Mm. And he said hello to me, too. Mm. He was happy for the exchange. Well, you know, one of the things that the Lord told me about the homeless, he says they're the new lepers. Ooh. And he said that the homeless, he says that sometimes they don't want your money. They just want to be seen. They want to be touched. Homeless people don't get touched because people are people are afraid if you touch a homeless person, you're going to get homeless. (laughs) It's not a disease. (laughs) No, it's not. And um they want to be seen. They want to be spoken to. They want to be treated like a human. They deserve to be respected. Absolutely. Everybody deserves to be respected. But, I um, agree. But the Lord, the Lord told me that about the lepers. He wow. says they sit outside the gates. Think about where they sit. They're outside of transportation. They're outside of buildings. They sit by the gates. That's really where they, they don't just sit any place. They sit by the gates. That's really good, Lisa. Wow. You know? Gives me pause to think. Yeah. And it's the Father's heart, I believe. And I do believe, I do believe, because it is so on his heart, I do believe that our administration, current administration, is going to start to really work on this. I'd love to be involved in it. Yeah, I really believe that um, that our president, because God is moving in him and changing his heart, and I believe that he's going to start taking care of the people. Now, I know that's a big word to say, and I know there's a lot of people who are rolling their eyes, but that's okay. Because one thing that happens, and, and Lori, you can attest to this, when the Father starts to change your heart, changes happen. He's got plans for this, and I have been asking him, how do we affect lasting change that benefits these people? What does Mm -hmm. that look like? How do we do it? Give us the keys. Well, and honestly, I think the biggest thing is greed. Greed is what keeps the homeless homeless. There is so much money. You know, and, and it's it's not to say anything. I'm not trying to get political or anything, but there is so much money in Hollywood that, it, that if they decided to buy a house for homeless people, they wouldn't be homeless. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, they could buy an apartment complex. Here you go. Live here. Stay here for a year so you can get yourself together. Here's school so we can t- teach you a trade. 
But you now the the biggest problem with homeless is that they can't get a job because they have no address. Right. So right. if you become homeless and you don't have an address, you can't get a job. So what does that do? You stay homeless. Parts of the system need to be reformed. Absolutely. Well, what was the movie with Will Smith? Do you remember he oh. was he was um, he became homeless with his son, and he worked so hard and he tried not to be homeless. He tried so hard, but I think sometimes that you know. Like in this movie, there had to be an, there had to be a positive outcome. It's Will Smith. I mean, come on. So right. <laughs> but in but in real life, the system works to keep people on the system. Oh, did I experience that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that fear of not having that regular support check and the roof. Mm-hmm prevents a lot of people yep. from stepping out and doing anything any different. Yep. It's terrifying to think about going beyond that because what happens if it doesn't work out out there? Then what do I do? I lose everything. Yep. That's right. And, you know, honestly, the government was never established to be helping homeless people or people who were destitute. That was the church's responsibility. I agree. Well, that's the way it was set up. It was never supposed to be government who was going it to do It is our that. job. It's the church's responsibility. Mm-hmm. But a lot of churches don't do that. Because the churches right now are struggling just to keep a roof over their head. But the reason that the churches are struggling to have a roof over their head is because they're not helping the homeless. <laughs> it's kind of like a vicious circle. Like if, if, if we do what we're supposed to do and we're doing what we're called to do, the Lord's going to bless what we do. And he's going to give us more. He has everything. He's Jehovah Jireh, for goodness sakes. Do you think that God is is holding back money? No, it's because of our decisions that we're not receiving the money. It could be a false mindset or it could be false ideologies that are keeping us from experiencing the abundance of our father. And it's also a poverty mentality. That's a big thing. I don't know why I just kind of went into that, but I just really felt that to talk about that. Preach. I know. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. I've, yeah. I've been doing that a lot lately. All of a sudden I get like a fire in my belly and I'm like, I'm like dude, this is like a sermon, but it's the poverty mentality. There are so many people who have come out of church that say that, no, 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 we're not supposed to ask for that. Oh my gosh. No, no. We're not supposed to pray for a big house. Oh my gosh. No, we're not supposed to pray for a cell phone. Are you kidding me? And I had a serious problem with that. I'm like, I'm, I'm asking God for everything. You kidding me? I'm asking for everything. And I believe he's going to give it to me because he loves me. I don't think we should leave anything on the table. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You need a TV? Pray for a TV. Well, that's not our needs. Really? Did you say you need a TV? I would consider that a need. (laughs) But they're like, oh, but that's that's not practical. That's the big, that's the problem. Big Daddy's not practical. No, he's He's lavish. That's right. Look at David. Look at David. David had a lot of money. David in the Bible. Look at Ruth. Ruth went to go get the scraps and she got, there was stuff put aside for her. Come on now. Look at Solomon. He had money. Look at Abraham. He had money. Mm -hmm. Now, it might have been cattle. It might have been fruit. It might have been some sort of crop. But they were not destitute. And even Jesus said to the disciples, don't even bring a second pair of shoes. My father will supply all your needs. There it is. We forget that. Yeah, we do. We forget that. 
So I don't know. I just feel like it's, you know, we were, I, I think that this book is going to really impact people to, to really ask daddy for his heart. That's what I really see that this book is going to do, Lori. I think this is going to be a, uh, oh, it's going to be a heart transplant. <laughs> I have one review from a friend I would love to read with you if Absolute. we still have time. Oh, we have time. Go ahead. Okay. All right, here it is. A love story passed from father to his children and walked out between a man and a woman, a story of grace and mercy. When we allow him to teach us through our daily love walk in relationships, we allow his grace and love to impact all who are in our presence. We bring his light to all the dark places and reveal truth as he illuminates his great love for all who ache to know it, whether they understand the longing in their hearts or not. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I am so excited about this book. I'm ridiculously excited about this book. And I and I just, Lori, I just think that you, gosh, you just are going to really, just like the shack, the shack really changed people's hearts for the father. That It did for me. I think that this it book is... It did for is, me too. Yeah, I think that this book is going to do the same thing because you're writing, you're writing kind of in that same with that same heart cry to see father differently and to see people differently. And I feel like that people are going to feel the father's, the father's love for, for people. It really is a love story, but, it is. but it's a, but it's the greatest love story of a father's love for his children. It is. That's, that's, and I just, um, gosh, I'm so excited. So when is the actual release date of your book? <laughs> and she laughs again. I don't know. It's coming. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. It's coming very soon. I think it's going to be in 2017. Might be towards the end, but I think it's going to be in 2017. Be I hope it's sooner than the end of the year. Yeah, because um, I, I see 17 is a very significant number this year. So I I see it coming out in 17. That is a certainty. Yeah. Yeah. And I see and there's going to be a volume, what, one, two, three, and four. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm seeing right now is a trilogy uh -huh. for the Jane Doe Chronicles, uh -huh. and then there will be a trilogy for the John Doe Chronicles. Wow. wow. Beyond that, I don't know yet. Okay. But still, that's awesome. I'm telling you, this is this is sort of, um, you're going to be like the J.K. Rowling, because when they interview you, you're going to be like, well, <laughs> I was kind of <laughs> like a homeless person. <laughs> Let me tell you about that clay hut I lived in yeah. for six weeks. Let's talk about that. I, I can kind of I can kind of do that. Well, because I think that um, homelessness is um, is about to get massive attention. And it should. It should. Because how awesome would it be if there were no more homeless? How beautiful would that be? That would be beautiful to be able to walk down the street and see that everybody has food. To walk down the street to see nobody being hurt or sad or alone. That's a thing that, that kind of saddens me. Um, the, the, one, the one time that I, I prayed with this homeless man, his name is Jesse, um, it was very funny. Because uh, we, we went to a train station to go drop my dad off. And so I saw him. My husband said, go get him some food. And I went and I prayed over him. And I prophesied over him. And I saw him in a suit. And I saw him as an ambassador speaking to the church about homelessness. 
That's what I saw. And I saw this wow. too. Yeah, I saw this and I told him this. And it was interesting. So now that was in July. Well, my birthday's in August. And my husband said to me, he said, what, what do you want to do for your birthday? And what came out of my mouth, Lori, to this day shocks me. And I said to him, I said, I want to go and get cupcakes. And I said, and I want to go find Jesse. And I want to go and celebrate his birthday. I, and he goes, but it's not his birthday. I said, it doesn't matter. I'll share mine with him. And I just, I had such, I was so excited and I picked out the cup. We couldn't find him. We went and we looked for him. We couldn't find him. Ugh. I know it was really frustrating, but there was something inside of me. I think God was starting something inside of me because I wouldn't have ever done that. And I'm not I'm not sharing this story to say, oh, look at, oh, look what I wanted to, has nothing to do with that. But I was, what I want to talk about is the excitement that I had. That was the only thing I wanted for my birthday. Oh, we, I believe each of us has a well of compassion in mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. If we will uh, let the Lord take out all of our garbage plugs. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I definitely. So those, so those rivers can come up and out. Yes. Yes. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And I think that, um, that as everything, since we're talking about rivers, we're going to say once everything gets flushed out of our system, <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. you yeah. know, and all the pipes get cleaned out and all the blockages and everything, and everything starts flowing beautifully. I think that's when, like, you really start to, you can start to really embrace everybody because there's nothing that's holding you back from love. That's true. You know, your eyes aren't seeing stuff and your mind isn't saying, warning, warning, don't go near that person. <laughs> That's the spotless bride mm. who is so enamored by her groom that nothing moves her at all. That's good. That's really good. And so, you know, this, like I said, you know, this is, um, this is part of the changing of the church, changing of the body, changing of the bride. I think that, um, just like Cinderella, we're, we're going to get some people who are going to be like fairy godmothers that are going to do bippity-boppity-boop, and they're going to start ch <laughs> changing people into from rags into the royalty that they are. That's what, I, that's what I'm seeing. And I think like, um, like different conferences, kind of like what the Daddy's Girl Conference is doing, we are doing the bippity-boppity-boop because we're going to take these women who come in and think of themselves as ordinary. And after leaving the conference, they're going to see themselves as extraordinary. Beautiful. And that's what Jane Doe is going to do. It's going to start to show the beauty and the royalty that's wrapped up inside every single person you meet. I love that. That's great. Thank yeah. you, Lisa. It's and and I just think that you're so oh Lori, I love talking to you. We sometimes we get on the phone, we're on the phone for <laughs> We've been on the phone for two hours, I think, one time. <laughs> and I know that there, it just goes. It just goes. And I know that there are people who are listening right now who are cracking up and they're going, Same. <laughs> uh -huh. You all know who you are. Oh too. yeah. Oh yeah. Because there are just there's just there's such a synergy. There's such a synergy that happens. When, when you encompass people who just love to talk about the overflowing love of the Father, it's a limitless conversation. It just doesn't have to end. 
because and he is once limitless. Once you felt it, yes. there's nothing like it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's it's very interesting. Now, are you going to, is this going to be shopped around to publishers, do I might ask? No, I'm self-publishing. Okay, this time. <laughs> this this time. But it's That's good. all I know for now, yeah. Lisa. Yeah. It's going to be big. It's going to be very big. I thought it wise to self-publish this first book. That's fine. And learn the process. Uh-huh. And retain all creative privilege. Well, that's it. Because once once it starts to sell and it starts to sell, well, that's what happened with the shack, right? He self, I think so. He self-published Paul wrote it. that for his kids. His wife yeah. asked him to write a story for his kids of what he believed, and it ended up being a book. Yep. Yep. And then from that, it turned into, you got to make more copies, make more copies, and, I, and then somebody picked it up. I think a publisher found it. And said, I think you're right. Yeah. So, and that's what I kind of see with this. I'm telling you, and and I see it as a movie, and I think it needs to be. I agree with you. So, so all right. So, I just want to pray for you, Lori, if that's okay. Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> so, Lord, I just thank you for Lori, Lord, and I thank you for the Jane Doe Chronicles, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that this book is anointed, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that as people turn the pages, they are going to encounter your heart with each and every word that is read, that there is going to be a transformation of their mind, that with each page that they turn, that their eyes are going to be transfixed and focused on your heart, Lord. I thank you, Father God, just for the obedience. I thank you, Father God, for Lori's love and for her compassion, Lord. I ask just for blessings upon blessings upon blessings and favor upon favor over this book, Lord. And I just thank you that as it gets launched, that it just it just goes out like a rocket and that as it explodes, that there's so much residual pieces that it, it falls all over the place so that people can pick it up from the north, the, the south, the east and the west, and that they can start to encounter a love story that is unlike anything else, Lord. And I just thank you, Father God, just for the people who were mentioned in it, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that you have them, that you see them, that you hold them close to you, Lord. I thank Thank you, Father, that that the homeless is about to be recognized, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that no longer will we turn our backs to those who, who were the lepers, Lord, but we start to look at them as your love and that we start to share the love from you to them. I thank you, Father God, for the abundance that you are just going to drop down into your church to help the bride become spotless in your eyes and i just praise you and glorify you in jesus name amen amen thank you lisa well this was this was so much fun i mean we i i didn't want it was funny because as i was thinking about like everything and i was like i don't want to talk too much because i don't want to give too much away because it really is it's a story that you kind of are going to get pulled into and you don't want anything to be like you have to experience each and every page you do, you do, and you didn't give anything away. That's okay. It's all good. <laughs> and it's this, all good. and this was so much fun. So, if you guys are interested in checking out some of Lori's um, blog posts and some of the Jane Doe Chronicles, you can actually go to janedoechronicles.com. So you can read some of the some of the pages that are in the um, that are going to be in the book. Or is it pretty much all the blog posts is just going to be um, put into a book form? 
the blog posts are partials. Yeah, that's what I, I thought. I added a lot of content around them. Okay. So you can get like a sneak peek to the Jane Doe Chronicles. So this was this was a lot of fun. Thank you, Lisa. It's been great. Oh, my gosh. You're such a joy. I really joy. appreciate it. Oh, you're such Thank a joy. You. Love you so much. Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed this uh, conversation with Lori Hilgers. You can also go and check out janedochronicles.com. And just remember, that book is coming, so we'll definitely be keeping you posted. So I hope you guys have been blessed. Please keep uh, the conference that's coming up this uh, Friday and Saturday in your prayers. Just, uh, just pray for encounters from our King. So I thank you guys for everything. Thanks for tuning in. And just remember to go out and touch someone. Good night.